Well, turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 6. Luke chapter 6, we're continuing, of course, our study of the Gospel of Luke. And this this great book presents Jesus as the perfect Son of God, the perfect man. He is the one who has come to be the Savior of the world. We're seeing the early days of his ministry. He's in the northern part of Israel. He's around the Sea of Galilee. He is teaching. He has just gone on top of the mountain, prayed all night, chosen 12 men to be his, what he calls the 12 apostles. They're going to be with him. They're going to serve with him. And then after he's gone... They're going to be the ones to carry on. He is on the side of this long, sloping hill. He's got to a level place. There's a big crowd gathered. And we're going to see two things stand out as we do this. We're going to see his teaching because he's going to talk, talk about the Word of God. He's going to teach the Word. And we see his healing. His, actually, his healing's first. They're all crowded around, and he's healing them. And we'll talk about it in a second. And then he's going to teach. And his teaching is what we call the Sermon on the Mount. This, this is a very practical part of a truth for all of us in this room who know Jesus Christ for us to make application. And it is hard because we're how are we? to live and relate to a fallen world. The passage is not hard to understand. It is hard to live. It is hard to do. It takes a supernatural life in God's power. So how in the world, the next slide, so how do we deal with our enemies, those who hate us, the fallen, unbelieving world? Jesus said, if they hated me, they hate you. If you stand for Jesus Christ, just expect this. If you want to blend in with the world, that's fine. You can and you will not have any persecution. But when you decide that you're going to stand for your Savior, Jesus Christ, you can expect that there will be those who are against you and those who hate you. The charge in this passage that we're going to see is to be different. We must be different than the world. There are many truths in this section that we must know and understand. And then we have to live out, and we can only live it out in a supernatural way, the power of the Holy Spirit. May we learn from this section. It's, as I said a while ago, it's not hard to understand, but it's hard to do. Let me ask you this. When somebody hurts your feelings, what do you do? What do you feel like doing? When somebody does you wrong, somebody says something bad about you, somebody tries to hurt you, what do you do? What do you feel like doing? I mean, we feel like getting them back, right? I mean, if they say something bad about us, we, we want to say something back. If they hurt us, we, we, we want to get them back. We don't, people don't need to do that. We don't want them to get away with that. What should we do? Paul says in Romans 14, never return evil with evil, but return evil with good. You know what he just said? Don't return evil with evil. If somebody does evil to you, don't do evil back to them. In fact, he says return evil with good. How does that make you feel? See, some of you are young, and you may not experience yet where somebody on purpose hurts you. On purpose. I mean, we know sometimes people accidentally hurt us. We say, oh, I didn't mean to. That's okay. That's okay. But what about the person who on purpose hurts you and says things about you and tries to do things that will hurt you. How do you respond to that person? I mean, the natural response is to say, you're not going to do that to me and get away with that. Paul said, don't return evil with evil. Return evil with good. This morning, Jesus teaches in this section that we must be different than the fallen world. That we are to be like Jesus Christ, showing kindness and mercy. This is so far above and beyond the natural response. It is supernatural in God's power. This morning, as we continue looking at the Gospel of Luke, Jesus is teaching what we call, as I said a while ago, we call it the Sermon on the Mount. In this little section that we're in today, verses 27 through 36, we're going to see how to deal with those who hate us 
And there are people that hate you. There are people that, because if you stand for Jesus Christ in this world, there will be people who automatically hate you. Jesus said, if they hated me, they're going to hate you. You might as well expect it. Bottom line is you're going to have to be different. We're going to have to be different. As people who belong to Jesus Christ, as people who are children of God, we have trusted in Christ, we're new creations in Christ, we're going to have to live different than this fallen world. Well, let's begin. Let's see what happens. Jesus on the side of this hill, long level place, large crowd, the disciples. Look at verse 17 of Luke 6. It says, Jesus came down with them, stood on a level place, and there was a large crowd of his disciples and a great throng of people from Judea and Jerusalem and the coastal regions of Tyre and Sidon. So not only there were people from northern Israel, but there were people from Tyre and Sidon, which were where uh, Gentiles lived, and then there were Jewish people from the southern part. So there was a huge crowd there. It says they had come to hear him. And to be healed of their diseases. And those who were troubled with unclean spirits were being cured. So he was dealing with the demons. He was healing people. Look at verse 19. And all, pe- all the people were trying to touch him. For power was coming from him and healing them all. Now this is an incredible event. Now while this is going on, he's healing them. He's ta- and now he's going to start to teach them. And this passage, as we call it, the Sermon on the Mount. If you want a lot more details, if you want to see what he went into in detail, go to Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7. Those three chapters are also called the Sermon on the Mount. That's Matthew's information. Luke doesn't give us that much information, or as much as Matthew gives us. Let me break down the passage for you so you can get it. Verses 20 through 26, blessings and woes. We saw that last week. He's saying, blessings to those who believe in Jesus Christ, because even though now they don't, maybe, there may be some persecution, there may be some sad things, there'll be blessings in the future, and woe to those who, who are in this world and are loving this world and are being blessed by this so fallen world, there'll be woes in the future because they're going to be separated. And then this morning, we're going to look at 27 through 36, dealing with our enemies. It's very, very hard passage. Hard to do and to live out. So we'll see that as we go through it. Then... Next time, after that, we'll look at verses 37 and 38. They really kind of go together. They're dealing with judging, forgiving, and giving. It's going to take us a couple of weeks to look at those two verses. Because there's a famous verse that says, Judge not lest you be judged. What is that talking about? Does that mean you don't say, well, that's wrong? How does that fit? We'll see it. It also talks about forgiving. Because one of the hardest things that we do is to forgive somebody when they do something wrong to us. And we'll talk about that. And then he'll talk about giving. Then in verses 39 through 45, examining others, he's going to talk about looking at different people, believers and unbelievers. And then finally, verses 46 through 49, building on the Word. We're going to talk about building your life on the Word of God. So last time we saw this whole idea of blessings and woes, believers are going to receive in the future blessings, unbelievers in the future, it'll be woes. They'll be separated from God. Now comes the hard part. How do you deal with those who hate us, those who are against us? The words are really strong in this passage. When you stand for Jesus Christ, you can expect that people will be against you. They will hate you. A person handed me this right after the first service. They were going to give it to me early. They just didn't give it to me. And right after the service, he said, you need this. Because this is an article from the Washington Times. And you can see what the fallen world is like when you stand for Jesus. It says, freedom or hate. Arrested for sharing the gospel, an expected outcome in North Korea, China, or any Muslim company, a country on the globe. But in Pennsylvania, Arlene Anershari, a 75-year-old grandmother of three, and Lynn Beckman, a 70-year-old grandmother, and ten others were arrested for sharing their faith on the public sidewalks in Philadelphia. According to the DA, they face up to 47 years in jail for spreading the gospel because under Pennsylvania hate crimes, this is a hate crime, hate crime 254. 
The hate crime bill was introduced in Congress. It says, do we believe that hate crimes will silence our freedom of speech and freedom of religion? I don't know what's going to happen there. But because these people were out telling people about Jesus Christ, some people didn't like it, and they used a hate crime law to get them into trouble. We don't know what's going to happen. If you stand for Jesus Christ, expect something like that. Expect the fact that in your class, when you make it known that you stand for Christ, there will be people who won't like you. Expect that where you work, there will be people who won't like you. There will be people who will not make sure you get promoted. It's powerful. How do we deal with those who hate us? You know what the religious leaders taught? They said this, love those that love you and hate those that hate you. Jesus said, I'm going to tell you something different. You have heard it said, love those that love you and hate those that hate you. But I say to you, love those who hate you. Pretty hard stuff. It's a supernatural life. Let's see what he says. I want to read to you verses uh, 27 and 28. Listen to what he says. But I say to you who hear, there are four things here. Love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, and pray for those who mistreat you. So there are four things that he's going to give in this little section. Now notice how he starts out. But I say to you who hear. Now, that ties back into sometimes, you remember Jesus saying something like, those who have ears to hear, let them hear. Or he'll say, those who have ears, let them hear. And you say, hello, don't anybody have ears? What does he mean? He means that sometimes people hear things, but they're not listening. And he says, those who have ears, let them hear. He's saying, if you're listening, listen carefully. He's saying right here, I say to you who hear, those who are listening. So you can, you can hear things, but not listen. I mean, it may be sometimes that you go through this, and at the end, if I said to you, what did we talk about? You could say, um, I really wasn't listening. You could, right? This is what Jesus is saying here. He's saying, I'm going to say this to you who are listening. And then he gives four things. And I want you to see those four things because they're extremely difficult. Here's the first one. Love your enemies. Now, it's easy to love people who love you. There are people who love you and think you're great. And they love you and you love them. And you say, I love them because they love me. But what about the person that doesn't like you? The word hate here says, what it says here, I love those who love your enemies. This word enemy is the one that means they, they are contrary to you. They believe differently than you. They don't like you. They're in opposition to you. If they're the ones who reject Jesus, they'll also reject you. He says you have to love them. Now, that's the greatest of all. Because they came to Jesus and they said, what's the greatest commandment? He said, the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul. And the second one, second commandment, is equal to it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus said the most important thing is loving God and loving others. Jesus then changed a little bit of that. In John, the upper room discourse, he said, a new commandment that I give you, that you love others as I have loved you. That's different than loving others as yourself. This is loving others as Jesus has loved us. It's a step up. And so the bottom line is to love. He says, love your enemies. The key is love. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Romans 5, 8, God demonstrates his love for us that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. 1 John 4, 9 and 10, and this is love. Not that we love God, but God loved us, sent his son to be the satisfactory payment for our sins. If God so loved us, we ought, should love one another. How do we deal with those who are against us? 
Well, you could say, listen, uh, there are people against me. I, I can't, I'm not going to love them. I can't love them. I don't love them. You can't do it in your strength. It's supernatural. It's the power of the Holy Spirit. Because, see, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness. goes on. But the first one is love. Very first thing, you're going to have to be different. That's to love those who are your enemies. Look at the second one. Do good to those who hate you. Now, the Greek word hate means to detest. It means to be a person who would say, I don't like you. I don't even want to be around you. I don't like anything about you. He says, do good to those people. You say, "Good, do good? I don't want to do good to those people. That's what he said to do, though. So you're going to have to be different than the world because the world doesn't do good to those who, who hate them. The world hates those who hate them. Jesus said, the ones that hate you, you're going to have to do good to them because you're going to have to be different. This means to do the morally right thing. It means to do what's best. Is it easy to do good to those who hate us? The answer is no. But we're to help them and do good and do the right thing. It is a supernatural life in God's power. You're going to have to be different. We're going to have to be different. Different than this world. Takes us to the third one. Look at the third one. Bless those who curse you. That's, of course, verse 28. Bless those who curse you. The word bless means to praise. It literally means to say something good. And the word curse means to say something bad. He says, say something good about the ones who are saying something bad about you. I mean, what's natural when somebody says, did you, and they come up to you and say, did you hear what he said about you? And you go, I'm going to tell you what about him. I'll tell you what I know about him. Because that's how we want to respond. We don't want to say something good about somebody who says something bad about us. We want to say something bad about them. He says, praise those who say bad about us. It says curses. It literally means to say things that are bad about us. See, the natural thing is to say something bad about somebody who says something bad. The supernatural thing is to say something good. How often do you see in this world when people are attacked by words that they say good things about the other person. What about Rosie O'Donnell and Donald Trump? Right? What do you see? They called it the war of words. It was on every every t- station and radio and, and, and uh, newspapers. And here she would say this and he would say this. And they escalated. It got worse and worse and worse. That's the world. That's what expect. When somebody says something about you, everybody expects that you would say something bad about that person because they've said something bad about you. But he says, no, no. Bless those who curse you. And you say, I'm not, I, just, I don't think I can do that. No, you can't do that. You can't. Not yourself. God through you can. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. You're going to have to be different. It takes us to one more. Pray for those who mistreat you. The word mistreat literally means to harm you. It means they want to do harm to you. It could mean physical harm to you. It could even mean emotional harm. They just want to see you hurt. They want to see you bothered. They want to see you upset. He says what you want to do with those people is pray for them. Pray for them. He says pray for those who mistreat you. Now what you want to pray, our minds say, I want to pray, God, would you get them? That's what we want to pray. But we can't pray that. We say, Lord, I don't understand this. I give it to you. I pray that they'll understand what they're doing is wrong. I pray that you'll bring them to yourself. I pray that they will trust in Christ. Lift them up to God. We have to be different in this world. We have to live a supernatural life. And let me tell you something. What, what these things do is they change lives. 
See, when you do good and when you love and when you praise and when you pray for those who are against you and hate you and want to harm you, you're changing lives because people see that you are different. They'll say, what, what makes this person different? Why didn't you get mad? Why didn't you go after them? Why didn't you say bad things about them? Why didn't you try to hurt them because they hurt you? Because you are a child of God. You belong to Jesus Christ. You are an ambassador for Christ as though He did beseech through you. You're to walk worthy of your calling. You're to live righteously and godly. You're to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. You have to be different. And we come in here, we're having a great time, and we're talking and hugging and drinking coffee and having a great time, and then we go on out into a fallen world. And we all love each other in here. Out there, they hate you. How are you going to respond to these people? How are you going to respond to the fallen world? Is it hard? No, it's not hard. It's impossible. In your strength, you cannot do it. It's only God's strength through you. You are the light of the world. You are an ambassador for Christ. How do we respond when we do good and love and praise and pray? We have to be different than this fallen world. And what Jesus is going to do, he's going to give us three illustrations of living this out. Some of them are famous. One of them says, when they hit you on the cheek, turn the other cheek. You've heard that. What does that mean? We're going to see it in just a second. But the bottom line of this is you have to go beyond what the world would do. You have to think beyond what's best for you, but what's best for other people. How can you touch lives for Christ? That's what matters. So look at the first one, verse 29. Whoever hits you on the cheek, offer him the other also. Here's the three illustrations. First one, somebody hits you, turn the other cheek. Now, people say, does that mean somebody come up and hit you on the face? You go, okay, go ahead, give me a good shot right here too. Is that what it's talking about? You understand that at that time to be hit, hit on the cheek was a public rejection. It didn't necessarily mean somebody actually hit you, but it meant the idea is that they publicly said, this person is this, and they rejected you in a public way. How do you respond? You get him back, you go after him. No, he says, no, turn the other cheek. Let it go. Because the most important thing is that you keep this relationship open because you are the one that God may use to lead them to Christ. When someone publicly rejects, be open and don't reject them back. Don't be like the rest of the world, is what he's saying. So he says, when somebody hits you on the cheek, offer him the other. Don't see people as a bother. Don't try to get people back. Leave it to God. Remember what God said? He said, don't return evil. That's what Paul writes it, but he's quoting Old Testament. Don't return evil with evil, but return evil with good. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. I will repay. God will take care of all things. You don't have to get people back. God takes care of all of that. So he says, if the person hits you, if they publicly reject you, offer him the other. Say, I'm still your friend. I'll still be there for you. I still love you, pray for you, do good for you, even say good things about you. There's a second one. If he takes your coat, give him your shirt. Look what he says. He says, whoever hits you on the cheek, offer him the other. Whoever takes away your coat, do not withhold your shirt from him either. The, the uh, coat is the outer garment, the shirt is the inner garment. He's saying if somebody wants something and you give it away, be willing to give it away. We want the world to see that people are more important than things. You don't care about the shirt. The person's more important than the possession. And see, we live in a culture that says the most important thing is possessions. No, the most important thing is people. And what we got to come across is, listen, if you want a shirt here, take the shirt. Because you're more important than anything I have. 
If we're going to touch lives for Christ, if we're going to be different, because the world says, I want that car, I want those clothes, I want this, I want this, that's important. We're saying, that's not important. What's important is people. And so he says, if somebody wants your coat, give me a coat. They want your shirt, give me a shirt. We want people to see that we're concerned about people, not things. The things of this world are used for the glory of God. Takes us to the third illustration, and that is give and don't worry about getting something back. Give things away. Notice the next verse says, Give to everyone who asks of you, and whoever takes away what is yours, do not demand it back. He's saying give things away and don't worry about whether you get it back or not, because once again the most important thing is not your stuff, but it's the people. It's people that are the most important. You've heard me say this, that possessions, I mean, they will never satisfy you. If you have this thought in your mind that you want to be rich and make money and have a big house and cars and these things will make you happy or sometimes somehow bring contentment, you are so wrong. It will never bring you contentment. The more you get, the more you want, the more you get, the more you spend. It just never brings contentment, and that stuff breaks and wears out anyway. It's all temporary. The only thing that really counts is your relationship with God, your relationship with others, and your relationship with your family. He's saying what counts here is not your stuff, but your relationship with these people that's what matters and if you're going to be different than the world you cannot be hung up on the things of this world you've got to be hung up on the people of this world he says give to everyone who asks of you and, and, and whoever takes don't demand it back you know what he's really saying is if somebody came up and said can I borrow $50 if you got $50 say no you can't borrow it I'll give it to you I don't want you worrying about the rest of your life how you're going to pay me back if you don't have it, you don't have it. If you got it, give it away. Because people are more important than stuff. And that's what he's saying. Go beyond the world. And then he says this, and he puts it all together in one of the most famous statements that you've ever heard. It's called the Golden Rule. He summarizes it in verse 31. He says, treat others the same way you want them to treat you. Do unto others as you'd have them do unto you. This is the standard. This is what stands out in the whole world. Because the world says, do unto others and then cut out, right? And the Bible says, do unto others as you'd want them to do unto you. We've got to be different than the fallen world. We've got to be like Jesus Christ, because you are a child of God. You belong to Jesus Christ. We're the light of the world. We're the salt of this world. We're to be different. Philippians 2.15 says, do all things without grumbling and complaining that you may prove yourself to be innocent and blameless children of God above reproach in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation in which you shine as lights in this world. He says you've got to be innocent and blameless. You've got to be above reproach. You've got to be different because you're going to shine as a light in a crooked and fallen world. You shine as lights. You've got to be different. When we walk out these doors, we've got to make a difference in this community. You've got to love people that don't like you. You've got to do good to people that hate you. You've got to speak good about people who even speak bad about you. And you've got to pray for people who actually want to harm you. You have to if you're going to make a difference. Because if you don't, you'll be just like the rest of the world. And that's his next point. His next point, starting at verse 32, he's going to say, if you don't live differently, you'll be just like the rest of the world. Notice verse 32. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. He says, now, if you love the people that love you, what's the big deal about that? Everybody does that. The fallen world loves the people that loves them. The difference here is you've got to love the people that hate you. You've got to love the enemy. 
Look at the next one, verse 33. If you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? Even the sinners do the same. If you do good to good to people who do good to you, that's the same thing that the fallen world does. You're going to have to do good to people who do you harm. You're going to have to be different. He's got one more. Look at the next one. If you lend to those from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners in order to, to receive back the same amount. If you just loan something to somebody, you know they're going to give it back. What's the big deal? The world does that. You've got to be different. You've got to be willing to give it away and say, you're more important than the thing. We have to be different if we're going to make an impact for Christ. And look what he says. He puts it all together sort of in a, in a little summary. And what does he say? Verse 35. Love your enemies. Do good. Lend, expecting nothing in return, and your reward will be great, and you'll be sons of the Most High, for he himself is kind to ungrateful and evil men. Look what he says. He goes back and gets the big three. Love your enemies, do good, and lend, expecting nothing in return. This is different than the world. See, the world doesn't love those who hate them. We do. The world doesn't do good to those who do them harm. We do. The world doesn't give away to those who aren't going to give back. We do. He says, do this. We've got to be different. If you want to make an impact for Jesus Christ, you can't be like the world. Listen to this. When the Berlin Wall fell in 1989, the former East German dictator was Erich Honscher. He was disgraced, dismissed, and homeless. Now, this was the former East German dictator. I remember seeing this. He was dismissed. He didn't have a place to live. You know what happened? A pastor in East Germany, persecuted formerly by the East German government, took him in and allowed him to live with him. Now, what we don't know necessarily is that this pastor had children. And when they got to a certain age in East Germany, it was the government that decided whether children could go on and get further education. When they finished what we'd call high school, could they go on and get college? And the East German government denied all three of his children any right to get further education. This is the man that led the East German government that denied him, his children, to be able to go on to get education. But what did he do? When he found out this man had no place to live, he took him in his house. And that's doing good to your enemy. You're going to have to do the same. We have to be different. Love your enemies, do good, and lend, expecting nothing in return. You know what the results are going to be? Incredible. Look what it says. Your reward will be great. And you will be sons of the Most High, for he himself is kind to ungrateful and evil men. When we look at this passage, two things stand out. We're going to see the idea of rewards, and we're going to see the character of God. Look what he says. When you love your enemy, when you do good, when you lend expecting nothing in return, what do you get? Your reward will be great. You'll get rewards. When you stand before your Savior, He's going to say, Well done, good and faithful servant. You did exactly what I told you to do. You weren't like the world. You did things that the world would say, How do you do that and why would you do that? And you said, Because I'm a child of God, because I've trusted in Jesus Christ. You will be rewarded. Now remember this, salvation costs you nothing. It's a gift. But rewards come from your service. We're to walk worthy as children of God. We're to live as children of light. We're to be different. We're ambassadors. 1 Corinthians 9 says, run the race so that you get the prize. One of these days you'll stand before Jesus Christ and He'll reward you. 2 Corinthians 5.10 says, we'll all stand before the judgment seat of Christ, the rewarding stand, to be judged, rewarded for the things that we've done in this body. 
Everyone in this room who knows Jesus Christ as Savior, one day you will stand before your Savior. And He will reward you for how you lived here. It has nothing to do with your salvation. It has to do with your rewards. Salvation is a gift, costs you nothing. Rewards cost you how you live, how you serve. And he says, when you live this way, loving your enemies, doing good, and lending, expecting nothing in return, your reward will be great. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine standing before Jesus Christ and he says, well done. That was, that was the way to do it. Well, that's just what I wanted you to do. I wanted you to be different. I wanted you to live for me. I wanted you to live different than this world. I wanted you to reach out to those people. I wanted them to be able to see me through you. And you did it. First John chapter 2, verse 28 says, We could be ashamed at His coming. You don't live for Him. You don't do this. You may be ashamed. We have to be different than the fallen world. There's a second aspect of this, and that's the character of God. And what we see is the character of God is, notice what it says about him. You will be sons of Most High, for he himself is kind to ungrateful and evil men. He says, now, when you live this way, you'll be like God. That's his character. His character is that he's kind to ungrateful and evil people. That's what God is. God so loves certain people. Is that right? No, it says God so loved the world. He loved everybody. How does he treat ungrateful and evil people? He loves them with an everlasting, unconditional love in the same way that he loves us. He says when you do this, you'll be sons of the Most High, which means you're going to be like your Heavenly Father because he is kind to ungrateful and evil people. Wow. So we want to be rewarded. We want to have the same character that God has. He ends it by this. Look at verse 36. Be merciful just as your Father is merciful. Now, merciful means to, uh, to, to show in mercy means not getting what you deserve. See, when a person does you wrong, what did they deserve? Right then. They deserve somebody to slap them down. Right? They on purpose hurt you? Is that right? Of course it's not right. God doesn't say, okay, go slap them down. That's okay. No, he doesn't say that. He says, I'll handle it in my time and my way. He shows mercy. And he says, we show mercy. And how does he deal with you? We've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. The wages of sin is death. What do we deserve? We deserve to be separated from God forever. What has he done for us? Through his grace, his love, and his mercy, he saves us and brings us to himself and takes care of us. He says, if I show you mercy, how do you treat other people? You show them mercy. It's not getting what you deserve. People who do you wrong deserve discipline and punishment. He says, don't show that to them. Be merciful as your Father is merciful. Let God deal with them. He'll deal with them in His time and His way. Show them love and grace and mercy. What have we seen? We've seen how we're supposed to deal with our enemies. We're to love them and do good and to praise them and to pray. And we must not be like the world. We've got to be like our Savior. We've got to be different. And the most amazing thing will happen. God will reward you that's a promise from the word of god you're going to stand before him one day don't you want to hear him say well done so with that in mind let me give you some applications the first one is this let's be like christ as we relate to the fallen world let's be like christ a here's the key we got to be different that's the whole point of the passage you have to be different you can't be like this world you got to relate like christ because what does he do he shows kindness 
and mercy to ungrateful and evil people. We must show kindness and mercy to other people. We must be different. Second, be in there is how do we respond to the unbelieving world? What do we do? We love them. We love those who are our enemies. That's different than the world. The world says, hate your enemy. The Bible says, love your enemy. The second thing we do is we do good for them. We do good to those who hate us. Those who despise us, we do good. The third thing is we do is we speak well of them. They're going to say bad things about you? You don't say bad things about them? You actually say, well, as far as I know, they're okay. I don't know much about them. Speak well of them. The world attacks each other. We don't. Fourth, pray for them. Say, Lord, I don't understand it. I know that you said if they hated you, they'll hate me. So I, I understand it that way. But I don't understand how this person who I thought might be a friend would do that. But I'm going to do good. And I'm going to pray. And I'm not going to say bad. And I'm going to keep on loving them. That's what we do. This is real hard, isn't it? It's not hard. It's possible. Only in God's power. You, you can do it. That's the only way. It's got to be God through you. Through In Christ you can do all things apart from Him. You can do nothing. If you want to live this way, it's got to be God through you. Walking in the power of the Holy Spirit. Being a righteous and godly person. That's the only way. See, God will reward us. When you stand before Jesus and you live out the principles that you see that He's taught here on how you relate to those who are against you. When you do that, one day, he'll reward you. And you'll stand before him and you'll say, you know, that was a short little old temporary time when I was on this earth and I have all eternity with my Savior. And he said to me, well done, I have this for you. That's what we want. We don't want to be ashamed. We want to hear him say, well done. May we be like Christ. As we relate to this fallen world, living differently, loving them, doing good, speaking well, praying for them, knowing that one day our Savior will reward us because we are living as children of God in a fallen world. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, what a passage. Thank you for these truths. Lord, it is really hard. We know that in our own strength we cannot do this. We know it's got to be you through us. Thank you, Lord, that we can do all things through Christ who strengthened us. We must be different. We must live the supernatural life. We do not want to live like the world. We want to be different than the world. And so, Lord, we know we were to love them and to do good to them and speak well of them and pray for them. Lord, that's what we must do. We ask you that we would walk in your power as we relate to the fallen world who is against us. And, Lord, we know that you will reward us. We want to hear you say, well done. Thank you, Lord, for these truths. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.